All right, guys, welcome back to Halcyon Days, the estate sale journey and beyond. I'm George, and as always, I'm here with Josh. How are you today, Josh? I'm good, George. How you doing? I'm doing swell. So um, to uh, to start our international podcast, um, <laughs> I want to uh, I want to just go over really quickly our listenership on the uh, the actual audio part. So any anywhere you find a podcast where you're not watching the video, you're just listening. Like and subscribe. We are at like and subscribe. Uh, we are. Let me go back to this correct page. We are at seventy four downloads, so that's pretty cool. Um, for our subscriptions, we're up forty percent, and our last thirty days, we're up one hundred and ninety four percent, which makes sense considering we're only Zero. half into the month, the uh, last month. So, anyway, um, the number one country listening to us is Canada. But right behind, I mean, it is America, but right behind them is Canada. So we have 12, 12 downloads in America and 10. Um, actually, I lied to you. They've, they've kind of spaced out the, the downloads. But as a country, Canada is second. That's all. That's all that matters. So anyway, and like I said last time, we have a, uh, we have a listener or downloader in, uh, in Russia. So no American secrets, okay? <laughs> all right. They're listening to Halcyon Days for insider information, I suppose. They're going to get us from the estate sales inside out. Anyway, so that's our little update. Uh, our YouTube channel is pretty slow, so there's not, not much to talk about on that one. Not a lot of viewers there. Hopefully we get some, some more viewers. And the way we do that is just by keeping it going, you know, keep advertising it. And hopefully we get some some people like and subscribe and all that good stuff. But we're averaging like twenty viewers. That's yeah, good. That is what it is. I'll take them. I'll take the twenty viewers. We appreciate you guys. So, but uh, let's get let's get going into the topic of the day. All right. So today's episode is titled uh, "State Cell Industry Challenges and Solutions." Uh, so the first topic we're going to kind of sort of get into is the competition and market saturation. Uh, so with all the popularity of estate sales increasing, especially with the rise of online platforms, what do you think organizers may find themselves competing, like competing with each other for? Okay. So like you're talking about online marketplace where, or online auction places, um, I would say the the misleading uh, of what auction houses can provide for. I, I just think it, it's it's easy and there's more of them out there. But really, when you're looking at auction places, either if you're taking it to the place or they're coming to pick it up, they're only taking a certain number of things. There's a lot of stuff that you're not going to be able to, to give them, including like, you know, kitchenware and stuff like that, you know, um, which would sell in an estate sale. Uh, and then the other thing is their percentages are typically high. You know, and um, and when they're bidding, when someone's bidding, if they don't have another bidder, um, your items are going for very low. Now, obviously, there is potential for, you know, high dollar stuff, right? Like if if you happen to have an item that a whole bunch of people really like and you can get people bidding on it, then, yeah, maybe it'll sell more than what an estate sale will. But mm -hmm. as a whole, all of your items, I think whether us or anybody else, you have you better options in an estate sale. Now, also, there's places like uh, like high bid and things like that that are that do online auctions where, where it's the whole house, 
and they'll lock things up. And I've seen it and I've actually, as a reseller, I purchased from those places and I've purchased almost entire rooms for like $3, you mm-hmm. know? So you, because no one else either saw no. the auction or no one else was bidding in that stuff, um, you know, and maybe someone has a different niche than I have, you know, where like I, I bought a lot of like old electronics and like um, board games and, and those things that I was interested in and, and they had good resale value for me. So like yeah. I, I ended up getting at one place maybe seven alarm clocks because they took like all of the ones that were in the house and put them all in one room and lotted them up. And then there was a an old desktop portable oscillating fan. Uh, it was like brown, kind of like the one that was at our estate sale this past week. Uh, and mm-hmm. those things sell really well when they're in decent condition. So all I did was clean it and then I sold it, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's great for the buyer, you know, um, consumers, you know, keeping, keeping our, our customers coming to our places can be tough if they know that they can get them. They're lucky to get them cheaper, you know, at the other places. Mm-hmm. And then also, hold on one sec. When you pick them up, you, you have to schedule a time and pick them up at that place. And if you don't pick them up at that time or place, the auction house isn't there anymore and you lose your money as a, as a purchaser, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I would say like we've had a couple of experiences uh, with auction houses with our estate sale company, and it tends to go two ways, right? The first one is, is what George was kind of just sort of talking about would be like they're like the mass scale, right? So they'll come in and they'll organize the estate sale, and they will they'll sell everything, right? Um, but their goal is to sell everything, and they're not going to do necessarily research on on things. Uh, so like you might have something that's worth you know a couple hundred thousand dollars. $100 or like $1,000, right? And they sell it for four, right? Because they're not taking the time to do the research to actually see like on the small things, right? They're just trying to get everything out. And then they take a large percentage, right? And then they charge you event fees and things like that. And then you have like the niche auctions, right? So we had with our order house, the gentleman had a lot of guns and we could have like partnered with a gun auction auctioner uh, to try to sell some of those, but they wanted like 60%. Right. And they wanted to charge us like $500 just to appraise the guns. Right. Um, so you tend to run into a lot of like, like as someone who's like, so if you're talking about like our client shopping around for a company, right. And like, who's the competition, like who you're going to go with, right. Like you, you run into like these hidden fees with auctioneers. Right. Then there's um, like, if we flip it though, right. What about like competing resellers? What what do you think the challenges are if you're a reseller going to different estate sales? What do you think the challenges are there? And you're competing with other resellers? I mean, just to get the best deal, you know? It's it's always gonna be what you can get it at, what price you can get it at. You know, so uh typically resellers score on the last day. That's when they get their their best deals. Um, but we get a, we can kind of gauge how it's going even before the sale, like with the attention that we get with the pictures and things like that. And if there's certain items that aren't getting a ton of pictures and we know that we've got resellers that come to every one of our estate sales and, uh, we'll let them make an offer on day one. If we feel like because of the traffic or because of the attention, maybe they're not getting like full, but we're not going to get full value for it. Maybe we'll take the offer on day one. Maybe we'll say, hey, we're going to let this sit for a little while and see how it goes, you know, and then uh, and and our resellers, we've always encouraged them to 
just let us know from the beginning at the resellers to see if, and we'll see if we can do anything for you, you know, instead of having necessarily making them wait the last day. So our company, I think, gives them an advantage that other companies don't necessarily do. Um, I'd rather sell it to someone who I know is going to keep shopping from us in the future than have it sitting at the house um, not sold, you know. So mm-hmm. we uh, we had a few items in the last house that didn't sell that mm-hmm. we probably could have sold for cheaper, um, but we kind of held on to the value expecting that the trend and, you know, the market demand was going to be there. And just didn't, just didn't, you know. So, um, but if we had a reseller coming in who liked those pieces and was like, "Hey, would you take blah 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 for them?" You know, we may have let them go. You know. Yeah. So. Now, in your times as a reseller, did you ever like compete with another seller, like when going to different sales, especially like estate sales, in terms of like you knew that if you didn't get there first, um, that guy or that girl might get that the products you're looking for. Every sale ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the I would say most resellers are pretty cool with each other. You know, so sometimes it's uh, over time you've gone to things with them, you've seen them out and about, and, and you've had conversations, and they're not necessarily looking for the same thing that you're looking for. Yeah. So, like, you might go there, and, and they might be like, hey, did you see da-da-da over in the other room? You know, because they know that's something that you pick up. You know, and you same thing with you. With yeah, we've with actually them. seen that at our sales. Yeah, so you know, like that kind of thing. There, there are there are some that are kind of like jump in front of you, kind of like push really, you out of the way. Yeah. yeah, and and when I was reselling, that's just not something that I would do. So I don't really care how much value it is. I'm never gonna be um, aggressive or or anything like that. So. Um, to me, it'd be like, if it's that important to you, then go ahead. Cause yeah, I'd rather some, sleep well at night, feeling good about my actions than really anything else. Some resellers are very, very aggressive. At, at our one sale we had, uh, we had games, right? Like old PS2 games. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think we posted the date, like for like the sale, like we updated our post on like Wednesday with the address. And while we were there setting up, we had a reseller show up middle of the day mm-hmm. to try to get in early. They can get very, very aggressive. And like, I mean, other estate sale companies, they might like let that person in and buy. But like, that's one of the things that like, especially like uh, from like your perspective with like being experienced in that that field, not allowing our estate sale to do, right? Especially if it's advertised, we don't sell anything before launch of an estate mm-hmm. sale. Now, I'm not opposed to selling items before the sale if it's not advertised, right? So, like, if we've got loyal loyal customers that shop our sales and they say, hey, do you have anything coming up? And and uh, they they want to take a peek around or something like that. If we're if we're at the house and we're and we're still organizing, you know, maybe we'll say sure. And if they say, hey, you know, um, this item here, I didn't see you have advertised. You think that I could pick it up today and we might make that decision or we might say you know hey this thing's got a lot of value and we're gonna see but but typically if it's got a lot of value it's already advertised so yeah um you know i'm not necessarily opposed and even with the uh the one that you're talking about with the guy the guy who came was actually pretty nice and he asked if he could look through the games and i said sure you know and i was with him and we'd seen him a couple times and i knew him actually he didn't recognize me but i knew him because as a reseller because 
when we do like the community, when there's community yard sales and I'm hitting up all the yard sales, he's, he's always there every time and he's yeah, always ahead of me. Like, yeah, always we've ahead already, of me. I've seen him. He, like, when I hosted a yard sale, my like, personally, like, he, he came to my yard sale. So yeah. he's very big in this area. Yeah. And he actually went through the bags and told me, like, like kind of this one's got value. This one doesn't this, you know, like, and, and he was actually like really good about it, um, which was cool. And then at the sale, he was there, he was the first one in line. And then there was another person who comes to almost all of our sales who asked if we had video games. And this was maybe the first time that we saw him and, and he's now a repeat customer of ours, but yeah. uh, he, um, he asked about it. And then the guy in front of me who was here the day before, like, and I was like, we do. I was like, but he's here for them too. And he's and uh, and then I said, and he knows exactly where they are, you know. And then uh, what what ended up happening is they went and they were there kind of together, and they like they divided it, you yeah. know what I mean? They they like they talked about things and they let each other have some, so they both benefited. Like that's more of what the community really is of resellers. It's it's like everybody's happy to let everybody have their share as a, as a whole. I would say again. There's always people that are maybe not representing resellers well, but that's typically what I've come across. Yep. Um, yeah, we've uh, we had a lot of customers who are resellers, like, and they'll get to a sale and they'll like think it's like a really good sale, and they'll call other resellers to like let them know about our sales. Like, that's happened Absolutely. several times at at several different sales. Um, and then and then those customers they become like regulars at other like other sales for us um but i definitely seen like that type of behavior in this industry which is kind of cool to see you think yeah. like there'd be like a more like it's all about me like i gotta get paid mentality yeah there's just just so much out there that i think they realize first of all like i said with the different niches like so many people have different things that they want so I'm you and I might be resellers and we might come to the same sales every single time, but you and I might be looking for completely different things, you know? Um, or if they are looking for, if we are looking for similar things, like I would kind of be like, Oh, look what I found. You, you would be like, Oh, that's so cool, man. Like, I wish, I wish I was here five minutes earlier, you know, kind of thing. And then like kind of, you kind of celebrate the other person's wins, you know? Yeah. So let's move on to the next topic here, uh, which is changing consumer preferences. So what are some ways? Yeah, I'm trying to like I'm trying not to like read off the script and like like That's interview funny. you directly. So like what are some ways <laughs> that your shopping behaviors as a reseller have changed over time during your time in that industry? And how do you think they've changed since we've started our business and you're no longer in the resale game? Um. I think I'm going to answer it a little differently than that, but I, I know what you're getting at, right? So for for us as a company, you know, we, we have to be aware of what what's hot and what's not, right? Like what's what's going to sell, what maybe something that sold last year really well isn't isn't selling this year. People aren't into it anymore. Like like what let, we'll say is Pyrex. We talked about Pyrex last time, right? Let's say Pyrex was like, oh, anything that you had that was the original Pyrex, that would sell anywhere. And then all of a sudden this year Pyrex isn't selling. Like we didn't sell any of the Pyrex in the last sale. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was in pretty good condition, you know, so <clears throat> we just, we just pay attention. The way that we need to figure that out. One is obviously, obviously observing our customers, right. As they shop, listening to what they say, asking them about things, you know, um, 
And then the other way is like, I'm always, always watching estate sale find videos. I'm listening to um, people talking about, there's not a lot of estate sale podcasts from our perspective, but there yeah. are a bunch from people who shop, you know, and so listening to them and hearing what they talk about, what they think are great finds, looking at the comments um, on other people's Gives you know, videos, you know, like, like I love that stuff. Uh, and when I see like, that's pretty much how I knew that the MCM stuff from the mid century mm -hmm. modern stuff from the last, I knew that it was going to, going to sell because I see it everywhere. It is the thing that is in right now, you know, so <clears throat> selling the couch and selling the, the, the table and the, the coffee table and the other end table. And like that, that stuff I knew without a doubt was going to sell. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the bookcase would have sold too, if it didn't have, um, there was kind of like a little crack in one of the glasses and, um, it had kind of like a coffee stain on the top, which I think you could get rid of. But again, it's got like the four. Got to find like, the right customer. Yeah, he's willing to spend the time to do that. Some, a lot of people are just looking to turn around and make a quick buck. And I think not being afraid to talk to your customers is another big part of it. You know, so uh, when when they were shopping downstairs, I might have said this in the other podcast, but I'll repeat myself anyway. They there was a lady or two ladies actually who were picking up a lot of that mid-century modern stuff. You know, they were, they kind of bought it all as, as all together, but there was, there was these two, three tier end tables that I thought were really gorgeous. They're in really good shape. I mean, need a little bit of work, but I mean, all, all of that furniture that's actually been sitting around that long needs something, you know, some love, but obviously they would know how to, to handle that. And then, but they didn't, they weren't interested in those actual two pieces because those particular pieces there's a lot of them in that blonde color out there. So for what we were asking and she said they would sell for sure, but they would sit on her sales floor for a long time before, before they would sell. Same thing with the bookcase. So even though they were gorgeous pieces, they were just too common, you know, so the value might've gone down a little bit, you know, so not without knowing that, you know, because we look them up, we see things have sold, things have sold, you know, whatever. And we try to price them accordingly, but not having that information, you know, that we don't have it unless we talk to our customers. Yeah. I would say like, kind of like to touch back on like the, like people who are shopping estate sales on YouTube. So especially if you have like a couple bigger YouTube people who they pick up an item, like a couple of them maybe pick up a similar item at an estate sale. Okay. And then it sells really well. Right. And they start talking about that item and they each have say 500,000 followers, right? Like just hypothetically. And of that, say each of those of that group, 200,000 of those people are, are also resellers. And then they go out and start buying that product that tends to saturate a market. And that tends to be like why those tends come and go, because there's few items that are posted. So you can sell it for more especially if there's high demand. But then once other resellers start going out and getting it, that drives down that price. And then that's what loses the value. I concur. I'm glad you concur. I mean, that that's really all that are, that we can do for the changing preferences. You know, we, we take credit cards, we take cash, obviously. Uh, I think maybe, maybe one thing we can look into it is like, uh, Venmo or something like that because we we have been asked that a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and right now we haven't we haven't made that jump because um, we it 
honestly, what we're doing, we, we use a processor and everything goes through that. So that transaction wouldn't go through that and it would, it would keep record keeping a little more difficult. So mm-hmm. if we can figure out a way to tie them together, then maybe we, we can do that in, in the future. But right now, there's really just not a way. Yeah. So, so what I mean, one of the other things that we've kind of sort of talked about is like, and this kind of goes into like, like the, the next question I know is just like integrating like online competition. So right now our company only does sales at the estate that we're selling at, right? Like, so we don't take things and we don't put them online and ship them to customers. Like we don't repost things on eBay. Um, and we've, we've kind of like talked about it and it, it gets into like a very gray area, right? So if you have something that you know is selling for say $400 on eBay, right? But you're not going to get $400 at an estate. So you might maybe get 300, right? But we, we might do it for like 275, 250 or do it for 300 and take 250, right? Like, cause we know like that reseller is going to want to get that as much profit as they can, right? If we post it at our sale for 400 and it doesn't sell, and then say our clients like, oh, is there, if there's anything you guys want, like go ahead and take. And then we take that item and then we sell that item on eBay. Now we no longer have to split the costs with the client. And that's kind of like the gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, we've avoided doing that type of behavior uh, because it's ethically questionable. And that's just not like the type of people that we want to be and the type of business that we want to run. Um, but it's definitely if we can find a way to do it ethically where we're not questioning it ourselves or being questioned, there's definitely room for growth there because there are items that would sell on uh, online places that we just can't reach those specific customers in a three day window. Yeah. I think there, I think as we grow our reputation and build our brand, the, the ability to do something like that might come into play. Um, and like I don't, I don't mind if if it's like, hey, you guys, you, you couldn't sell these things, and they're all small things, you know. And they're like, you know, if you want them, you can have them, you know, kind of thing. I don't mind that, you know. Yeah. It's just like like it's something that you're talking about. Like if you're talking about selling something for four hundred dollars and not and not giving them anything, you know, to me that's like that's us leaving it high because we know we can sell it later. Yeah. You know, and that's. The- and that's so I would say that's that's why we don't. First of all, we don't market that high. Um, but you know, it's that that is a gray area, and we've talked about that many times because there's been opportunities where we've been like, well, that that didn't sell, and we probably could sell it, you know, later. Um, but again, you know, we we've also done where we've sold it later for them, you know, yeah. just like through like Facebook Marketplace and things like that. But that's still that, that's still their sale, you know. Yep. Do you feel like online auctions pose a threat to the estate sale industry? Um, in terms of obtaining clients, yes. I think it's still trendy to shop estate sales if you can. You know, like if there's any in your area, like it's always fun to go walk around and that's different than an auction. Um, the online auction, you're still you're still only seeing what they show you. You yeah. know, and, and like you don't have a way to look things over before making the purchase. So like if they didn't do a great job with pictures, you know, you're you're just kind of stuck with whatever. 
Yeah, I feel like the biggest challenge. I mean, it's the same challenge with just as auctioneers in general. Is they're, they're just a hard, they're just hard to overcome because they've been around for so long. Like mm -hmm. most auctioneers in your area, they've been they've been in the area for a very very long time, and consumers when they need to sell something, it's just a natural like, oh, let's take it to the auctioneer. Right, and they'll sell it for us. It's mm -hmm. less hands-on, whereas a state sale company is a little bit more involved, right? Um, and I would say, like, realtors partner with a lot more auctioners than a state sale companies when they have those type of events. And I think that's kind of where our challenge has been is just like trying to get into those those lists and actually get the opportunity to show why you should go with us over an auctioneer company. Yeah, I think also a lot of auction companies are kind of staples of the town. You know, yeah. if, if they have like a place, they have a warehouse where they sell at their building, you know, they, they, people come to the, it's an event, you know, that kind of thing. And we, as, or any estate sale company, we're wherever the house is, you know, it's not like, Oh, did you go to, did you see those guys over in this place? You know, go see them in this town. Like you got to reach out to, you know, we don't have a brick and mortar location, which I don't think we ever will because it wouldn't make, financial sense to be paying rent somewhere to just leave it you know all the time but uh you know it's unless we were to turn into a place that that would sell um from our location you know uh, but that's somewhere way far down the road and right now i'm just worried about how do i figure out how to get people to to know we exist you know and that's that's the bigger challenge i think than even the auction house just like the difference in like how they're staples of the community no like they don't a lot of people don't know what an estate sale is we've talked about this a little bit so yeah. they don't know what an estate sale company is they don't know what we do even when we mention a state sale company they don't necessarily even understand they think it's the sale of a house when they think of an estate sale a lot of times yeah so um when we when we put it out there you know and we're starting i mean it's the winter's ending we're starting to get more you know people are starting to reach out more to us, you know, that kind of stuff and have conversations with us around what, what we do. Um, there's, I mean, we've gotten, we got an email the other day asking us to sell the pewter items from someone's house. And <clears throat> I had explained to them, that's not what our company does. We don't just go there and take like certain things and sell them. You know, we, we have to sale at the house. So it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. I mean, everybody knows who the uh, auction houses are. Everybody, they're they're very familiar. They advertise. They 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 make a lot of money. So clearly, you're not, you're not going to make as much money when they have all of this money to do all of these things because yeah. they're making a lot of money off of you. You know, so. So the next topic is like the uh, like navigating legal and regulatory requirements. We haven't run too much into that there are some townships where if you're going to host an estate sale you do need to get a permit um but there's certain conditions that would need to be met where that permit's actually required i would say the most common one we run into is if there's an hoa that would prevent us from having a sale but this isn't necessarily that with like townhomes and condos mm -hmm. yeah a lot of town and like town houses communities like townhome communities they have like specific dates where they do a community sale and that would be in time that you're allowed to have an estate sale um we lost a client to that the uh 
they were all for it. They wanted us to come in, you know, do their mother's house. And at the very end, they mentioned it was a condo. And I said, well, we would love to come in and help you out. I just need you to do one thing first. I need you to reach out to the homeowner association and see if they're allowed. And then they were not allowed. So even though it was someone was moving to assisted living, they had to be out of there by a certain day. The town, the the community, um, the association uh, said no. You know, so they were basically stuck. You know, I don't even know what they did with all their stuff. You know, they probably ended up throwing it away. But yeah, there's not much that we can do there. You know, I offered to try to sell some stuff on marketplace and things like that, but it's that would take a long time, and they didn't have a long time. You know, and it just just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, so, and then the other thing that we deal with that would be like a legal thing is like how we build our contracts for our clients. Um, so what company do we use for our contracts? To create it? Mm -hmm. Rocket lawyer. Very simple. Very simple. Very easy. It is the pretty straightforward. I mean, of course, like any contract, there's some legalese in there, but um, it's pretty straightforward. We put in there um, that the customer or the, the client gets um, whatever percentage the, the amount of money for the sale minus our, our percentage, right? So mm-hmm. like for a lot of our sales, it'd be like client gets total, total whatever, however it's worded, uh, minus 35%. You know, so then it says right there, that's our percentage, that's our take. And then it just underlines like no one's in the house when we're at the sale. It talks about like they can't do anything. They can't um, remove items that we've agreed on that were going to be sold ahead of time. They can't do that. They, you know, just things like that. Um, and uh, and it also says that if we don't hold up our end of the contract, that we can be held accountable. You know, it, it gives them it's not just all what they can't do. It's, it tells what we can't do. Like we can't abandon it. We can't cancel the sale. We can't, there's things that we cannot do because it's a binding contract, you know, and, and it protects our clients that way too. And then uh, like, it also says that we, we're not going to add any expenses, you know, yeah. anything, any charges to it. So that means if we have to go get something appraised, we pay for that. If we're going to go, you know, do whatever, like it's things that, um, that we've agreed on, you know, ahead of time. And then if they need a dumpster, well, then that's them bringing in additional costs and then they're going to have to cover the dumpster, you know? So that's just that, that kind of stuff, but it's all straightforward. Anybody can read it. You won't need a lawyer to read our contract. We made yeah. it as simple as we possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only time we would actually like need to get a lawyer involved is if there was a, a state sale where it became like, okay, you guys are really, really negatively impacting the sale, right? Like at this point, like mm-hmm. you, you put a dumpster on the side, you're throwing stuff away during the sale, you're in the house, you're taking things saying like, oh, this was for sale, like that we have prices on. Now you're saying it's not for sale. We had it advertised. This is happening like, like, like okay, like you've now like, you've heard our brand, you've heard our sale, right? Like, we're, like now we're taking the full, full profit, right? Like we're not giving you your 35 or we're taking more than 35% or whatever, however that conversation would go where they were trying to take us to court for something like that. That would be like, I think like the only time that we would actually like need a legal fee or a legal, legal counsel. But we try to, as a company have as much like empathy as you, as we possibly can for certain situations. Like 
we might find something that they didn't know was in the house and they show up on the for whatever reason they show up at the sale and they're like oh like you guys found that right like and like that's like a different conversation um but we try to we really try to have like try to be reasonable there and be like have some empathy i guess i've said it a bunch of times but you know what i mean george i do i lost my window my phone went to sleep i don't know Sorry. i have my i have our notes up on here so gotcha. oh you don't have them on your computer no, no. nope got them on the phone um, so, so i think we can move on to the uh client relations what do you think I mean, there's no inventory for us, so and we've talked about pricing a thousand times on this, you know. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, if you have something you want to say about it, you can say it. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I think. I mean, I think managing inventory is always something that we can improve on, um, especially like there are every house has similar items, right? So I think we do a pretty good job with our estate sales knowing like, okay, like this person has cups. The last sale also had cups. Cups <laughs> average <laughs> average sale price is X dollars, right? And that's what it tends to be like how we get the cups out of the cup, like cupboards, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's, it is, it is very hard for one or two people to price an entire house. And the goal is to eventually have a staff that we can do it very quickly and very effectively where mm -hmm. everything is priced and everything's been like researched. Um, but I, like, that's our challenge right now as, as a growing estate sale company, it's just two people. And a lot of times, like I have other things that conflict with my schedule. So a lot of the pricing, the majority of the time is done by George. Yep. It's a lot, <laughs> but Hey, you know, it gets done in our, our customers are happy when they shop the sale. So, you know, they, we always have a, like a, a set of things that are like make your best offer kind of thing or make an offer. Um, so I think that that creates like a uh, actually a pretty good um, like a good vibe or whatever you want to call it. So like people feel like they're getting good deals. And then there's other items that we know like that are just worth more that we've had time to research and price and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but uh I mean, anything that I think has a shot at being valuable, I'm, I'm looking up, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there was a, a little hound dog planter on one of those mid-century modern tables. And I was like, let me just check that out really quick. And it was pretty valuable. I think we sold it for 30 bucks, you know? So that's something that if we didn't look it up, we would have lumped it in with everything else and sold it for maybe five bucks, you know? Yeah. So, um and people who, who bought it knew exactly what it was, too. And I've seen it sold for 50 and above, you know. So it's, it's that, that was their niche, thing. man. Yep. So, but I think uh, going into client relations and expectations, you know, that kind of comes off of what we just said. So, how do you think that we do um, building our client relations? Um, I think we excel at it. I think, I mean, so we both worked for Best, like Best Buy, the, comp the company Best Buy for eight plus years. And 
one of the things that they did really well is they they have a really great training program on how to interact with customers, how to build rapport. Um, and we've take, taken that plus our outside skills that we've we've learned over the years and, and we use that in our estate sales. And we have we have great rapport with customers. Almost every no, every sale that we've ever had has accumulated more customers for us when they come to the next sale and the next and then they then they become recurring customers. Um, and even like, even if they're only like, we, we, we always get like, oh, I was, I live in the neighborhood. I was driving by, I saw the sale, right? Like they sign mm-hmm. up for our email list, right? Like they, and they, they, if there's another one in the area, they generally come to those, those estate sales that are in those areas. They may not drive up from, you know, Glenrock PA to Harrisburg PA for an estate sale. But if we have one in New Freedom, they might show up in New Freedom because it's right around the corner from them. Right. So that is all true, but let's talk about the client, not the customer. So like, oh, how, how do we do building this? That's okay. The client relations and expectations when we set the expectations and things like that. I think for the most part, customers or sorry, clients are understanding of our process, right? So when they're in like, so when we're explaining the process, everything we're saying makes sense to them. Like we try not to have the clients in the house during the sale because it can make people uncomfortable and make them not purchase stuff, which hurts your pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a difficult time for the client to see people lowball and and hear what they have to say about the things that very, they love. Very yeah. emotional. Um, I think, especially when we go to a sale together and clients see how we interact with each other, and like that has helped us close a lot of sales when we're both there. Uh, unfortunately, I have schedule conflicts that sometimes I can't go. And I mean, we've still gotten customers and clients uh, when it's just George or just I who's, who's gone to our house. Um, but I feel like our close rate on a sale is always higher when we're both there. Um, because as well, like uh, George will see something that I might have missed. Right. And George will start talking about that thing. And it just builds like on a personal level with the client because there's that like that that's George showing appreciation for their stuff. Um, but the professionalism, we've, we've always gotten good compliments on professionalism. Like when we've done site visits, I'm trying to think like what else, what other feedback we've gotten? Well, well, the next part of the question is expectations, right? So when we're talking about setting expectations up for our customers, I'm sorry, our clients, see, look how hard that is for our clients. We don't, we don't overinflate what we think is going to happen. Yeah. You know? So we're not going to be like, I'm going to get you $7,000 when the house only has, if we're lucky, $2,000 worth of goods in it, you know, um, depending on these small houses, right? That's, that's a small house, but still. Um, and I'll give a little example. So I, I met with um, a client that we are now going to be doing an estate sale for, um, next month and uh at the home she's moving to uh like an assisted living type place you know like a little community which is really nice and um but she wanted to take a lot of the stuff with her so much so that it was like there was almost nothing left to sell and Mm -hmm. um and i know that they needed her help and i am i'm a i'm a sap i mean really like for real so like we went out to the garage. There's some stuff in the garage, not not a ton, but some stuff that I can sell. And like I'm like trying to see like you know whatever. So um, 
I worked out that if we did it, we'd have to take 50%. Like, there's no way that we can do less than 50%. And it's, that's not like us being greedy. That's not like it, we got to come away with something. And, and any, anybody who you know, understands, like, we're a business, you know, so like, it's not it's not a 501c3 we're not getting tax credits or breaks for a charity or you know what i mean like we do have to survive um and uh like it's i said before this is, yeah this is my only job you know so like i do need to make something from it you know um again i'm not looking to get rich i just you know whatever but anyway so the the nice lady i mean very lovely um I was talking with her about how, and this is a strategy we talked about on, on the podcast before, but how she's got emotional attachments to these things. So it's, it's not the thing necessarily that she loves. It's the stories behind it, the memories behind it. So I talked to her about taking pictures of things, you know, and then leaving the object behind to sell, you know, and then uh, they, uh, they actually, I got a follow-up message from them. I actually talked to them the other day and they, they went through and they did that. And she's, She's leaving a lot more stuff than what she was planning on leaving. I mean, there's still not a lot at the sale. It's going to be a tough sale for sure. But when when I was talking to her about taking the picture, stuff like that, and I talked to her about the memories behind it, her eyes started to like well up, you know, and that stuff was like, that stuff like tears my soul, you know? So like, no matter what, I was like, we're going to do it. We'll do it. We'll do it for 50%, but we'll do it, you know? Um, and I don't have anything else on that weekend. We don't. We don't have anybody who's looking to go at that point or anything like that. Uh, it won't be very long to set up, so it won't take too much time. It's a little bit of a drive for me. It's a little bit over an hour, um, but it's it's worth it because we're we're helping her out, and that that stuff does feel good. But in that expectation, you know, I I told them that there's not going to be a lot. Like the the goal of this is to remove the stuff you know, from the house so that they can sell it more than anything, you know, so, you know, we'll be, we'll keep you updated on that one as that happens, but that'll be, like I said, kind of second week of March, maybe third week. Uh, yeah. So we, like, we, we try to be really like real, real with like expectations around like our cut, our cut, like what we're going to take percentage rise, right? But I think another thing that we do uh, is the expectation of like, where the client's at during the sale. Um, mm-hmm. We've already said it in this, so I'm not gonna like touch too too much, but if you're a client looking to have someone host an estate sale and you wanna maximize your profits, being at the house during the estate sale will most definitely negatively impact your profits. There's just something about when the owner, or even if it's like your your child, like your adult child, right? Like who's helping you move, right? It's at the sale, right? It makes people uncomfortable, right? Because then it becomes, it takes a, a business transaction and makes it extremely personable or personal and not in a good way. Um, and we've had client or we've had customers who've made that known to us. Like, oh, is that the son? Or oh, is that is that them? They're they're here at the house right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then like then they are they they make less offers on things that they would have normally offered because they become uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. So we're very upfront with that when we're meeting with clients, and for the most part, for the most part, I think we've only had like two situations where they were there during the sale. 
the the first one was not great. And then the second one, they shut themselves off in a room. But even still, they were coming out. They were talking to people in the house. Um, and it just, it he, just... That second one was actually the second weekend of that house. So in fairness to the client, like we had... We didn't land that in the contract. We just did that because it was a little slow the first weekend and they didn't really have another place to go. Um, so they, they did a good job and they, and I think they tried to stay out of the way. And then um, like, for instance, the daughter, like she went out to get a cup of coffee, right? Are you in need of expert assistance for your estate sale? Look no further than Halcyon Days Estate Sales. With our compassionate approach and professional expertise, we'll handle everything from start to finish. Trust Halcyon Days Estate Sales for a seamless and successful estate sale experience. Now back to our show. Do you have any logistical challenges that you want to speak about? I think uh, staffing is, is an opportunity and a challenge for us. So with our current setup, if we have an if we have someone who comes to our estate so generally it's a family member that we trust they're just there to like be a body in the room like they like they sometimes will talk to clients or customers about like this like the stuff and answer questions or they'll ring out items on through our point of sale system but most of the time it's just so like we have a body in every area of the house so people aren't taking something from upstairs going downstairs in the basement putting it in their pockets right mm -hmm. that's right um but so we pay that associate a hundred dollars a day. There have been some sales where we do only do a hundred dollars. Right. I think eventually, like as we bring on more like permanent staff that are like running the sales for us, like because like eventually the goal is to have a company where like we can do potentially multiple sales, right? Where like we pay them a commission based off of like the sale, like the sale, um, which I think would encourage them like when they're doing the setup like okay like what can we get this price at because like if i if i lowball it then i don't get as much money on the back end right but it is what it is right now just with how small we are and um but i think like staffing as is like we we still are kind of like finding our way through that right especially like we'll pay them a hundred dollars a day and then business dies at one o'clock Right. So then like the next sale we do to one, right. Do we still pay that associate the same amount as if we were paying them, if they were here till three, we pay them less. Like that's kind of like a new area that we're working at um, or working our way through. Um, transportation hasn't been an issue for us. What about for you? Uh, not really. I mean, the, the staffing, uh, I don't think is too crazy because we're just too small right now um so i mean we've, we've taken a lot of houses that i think a lot of people a lot of estate sale companies that are established probably wouldn't have taken you know yeah. so and we, we never had a hundred dollar day we've we've had a day where we haven't where we haven't taken a hundred dollars um that's, as, that's a, as the business but for sales you know we definitely definitely had more and i think that was our lowest percentage house that we've ever done. I think that was 30%. And that was like maybe one of the slowest days we've ever could have had. And there was weather. And so and like, to be fair, like weather was involved with that, which is like why, it, like we ended up having to shut down early, like another sale, like three hours into the sale, there was like a car accident, like power for the entire neighborhood went out. So like, we couldn't have, we couldn't have people at the house, right? Like it was like yeah. a, like a, a safety risk. So we had to shut the sale down. Um, 
I forgot but, about that one. But we still paid our employee that day. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm -hmm. they, they got up, they came, they, they were there. Right. Like, so it, those, those, those type of things are what they are. Um, I think, I mean, every sale we had, we've from start to finish, we've improved, I think our overall process. Um, but obviously like we're still such a newer company, everything's it's, it's still evolving. For sure. For sure. What, is there, is there a way that you've started to like, cause you're the one who does the primary setup. How have you streamlined that process over from, from the first sale to the last sale? I don't think my process has changed too much. I, I'm very ADD. So, um, like I have things that like I'll move and then I'll move and then I'll move. You know, so what I like to do, but I've, I guess maybe this is where I've, I've streamlined a little bit. Like I like to try to get everything in the rooms where they need to go. Um, before I think I would spend a little bit too much time, like seeing something, spending time on finding the price of like one thing, you know, instead of like actually getting the things where they need to go and then start pricing. Uh, so I think, you know, I'm still going to, I'm still going to see this shiny object, you know, every once in a while and, and be diverted to that attention. But I think as a whole, you know, the, uh, the process is really just move everything to where they need to be and then just go room to room pricing, you know, so cool. that's really about it. Yeah. I think, I mean, in any part of the estate sale process, there are different challenges that you're going to run into, whether you're uh, shopping in the estate sale, running an estate sale, prepping to get an estate sale company to come in for you. Um, we're like, what I can say is, I mean, if you're in our area and you're looking for a great estate sale company, like we will try to do as much as we can to make that process as easy as possible for you. And if your customer shopping our estate sales, like we want you to come back, we want you to feel welcomed. Um, but I mean, any challenge you're listening, sorry, if you're listening in, in like central Pennsylvania area and uh, you want to get on a, as a customer, you want to get on our email list, I put it on the bottom. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, but if you're listening, uh, it's info at Halcyon Days Estate Sales.com. It's kind of a lot. Um, so, again, info at Halcyon Days Estate Sales.com. Send us an email with your email. Let us know that you want to be on our email list, and we will definitely like set that up so that you're aware of when our next sale is. You know, and if, you, if, you're, if you're a potential client, you can reach us the same way. You know, so just reach out, ask us a question. You know, we've got email. There's a link on our website, you know, that you can go in there and, and basically ask a question. I would say just make sure you leave a message in there. Sometimes we just get somebody's name and that's it, you know, so that makes it a little bit tougher. But Especially yeah. like, no, is this a real person or is this a bot? Yeah, we've had a few bots. So I think our last one is probably a bot. I'll let you know if they ever get back to us. So chances are no. Well, George, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I do not. Right. Well, thanks for watching. This has been House on Days, the estate sale journey and beyond. Uh, like and subscribe anywhere where you watch your podcasts, and we'll see you guys next week. Please, please. Peace out. Come scout.